0: Heavenly Father, we come in Jesus' name, the name that is indeed above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, things in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We come in his name, Father, because we know we have access through our great high priest who has passed into the heavens Jesus the son of God who knows all the feelings of our infirmities who has been in all points tempted as we are yet without sin so we come before your throne in all of our weaknesses in all of our flaws as we've sung about of all of the inconsistencies even in our walk of faith. God we come and we ask that your spirit that indwells each one who is a believer in Christ would do his holy work of illuminating our minds, our hearts to receive the living word of God. May it Feed our souls. May it cause us to be drawn closer, ever closer to you. And Lord, we pray that we as your people will glorify your name, even in this service of worship. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. amen. What would life be like if you didn't have friendships? I know friendships can come and go, but I know that also friendships can have an enduring purpose in each one of our lives. Do you have a close friend? A person who has actually earned your trust? one who you would actually stake your life on to keep a personal secret. Those people are special to us. We each have had or have known friends like that. It's amazing that Harold, as well as Paul Holloway, his brother, are here today. They've been friends and brothers all their lives. And it is neat that they could be together with us during this service of worship. Friendships with people like this, that we can tell the most intimate details about our lives, that we can show our quirks, our failures, our inconsistencies, but we can also share our plans, our aspirations, the things that are really moving our hearts. They are trusted people. They are chosen of us. They become our closest friend, a personal confidant. You might say, they are in our inner circle and being in our inner circle they are the most they are the people that are the most close to us they're at the center of our lives and we see this not only in personal relationships but we see this core of people this inner circle even formed in businesses in government in education and in other institutions in our daily lives. In each of the three passages we've read today, we see specific people whom God has chosen and He has entrusted to them special revelation from God. There's the prophet Daniel. There was Jesus' disciples in Mark 4, and there's the Apostle Paul here in Ephesians. It is crucial for us to note that God's revelation is not merely given out to anyone. They are people whom he has called, and he's given this word for us today. You might say, they are in God's inner circle but the difference is they are given this revelation it's not given so that they might keep it a secret it is to be the inspired word the God's revelation and it is to be written down and it is to be proclaimed In each of these historical counts, God is actually, again, revealing portions of his master plan of salvation in Christ and how it is going to directly impact nations, people, and the world. And that, indeed, through the revelation that he's giving, even it's going to show how the church of Jesus Christ is going to grow and to flourish throughout the world. The prophet Daniel interprets King Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and he shares how how in the future, his kingdom and successive kingdoms in the world are ultimately going to develop and die away, which will ultimately be superseded by God's heavenly kingdom. Remember what we read there in Daniel 2, verses 44, and then in verses 46 and 47? Daniel says, in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever. And what is Nebuchadnezzar's response to this revelational truth? It says that he fell down on his face and did homage to Daniel and said, Surely your God is a God of gods and Lord of kings, a revealer of mysteries, since you have been able to reveal this mystery. When we looked at the gospel account in Mark we see that Jesus' disciples are entrusted with the understanding of the inspired truth about God's kingdom. And they're being entrusted with it by the King, Jesus. And it's to the exclusion of all those who are outside who by means of a literary device called a parable are left ignorant. Remember how Jesus says to his disciples, to you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but those who are outside get everything in parables in order that while seeing, they may see and not perceive. And while hearing, they may hear and not understand, lest they return and be forgiven. And then in our primary text today in Ephesians 3, we hear how the Apostle Paul himself is given a revelation from God. Insight, he says, into the mystery of Christ, which in past generations was not made known as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. It was this mystery of Christ revealed to Paul that so impacted and affected his life by the transformation of the Christ in his life that he went out and publicly proclaimed it in the Spirit. It also, I might add, triggered his imprisonment in Rome as he wrote this letter. But he says that all this happened for the sake of you Gentiles. In another letter, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, we, say, we read about uh, the Apostle Paul rejoicing that he is able to suffer for their sake. It was this mystery of Christ that Paul was a steward of. God had given it to him, and he had given it to him for them so that they might hear, so that they might know the mystery of God's great work of grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. It was this mystery of Christ that came to Paul by direct revelation from God. If you read Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, he makes it very clear. He didn't receive this from men, but by revelation of God. And he wants them, his readers, And he wants us, through the inspired Word, to understand his insight into the mystery of Christ. It was for this that he was made a minister and given stewardship from God. But it was always for the benefit of others. Turn with me to Acts chapter 26. Because as Paul, is it, as a prisoner, is making his defense to King Agrippa, he has this to say beginning at verse 14. It's talking about his Damascus Road conversion. And in verse 14 of Acts 26, we read this. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is is hard for you to kick against the goats. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said to me, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and stand on your feet, For this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes, So that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, and that they might receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among all those who have been sanctified by faith in me. What is the mystery that Paul wants us to understand more fully today? This mystery of Christ that Paul was so dedicated to, that he was willing to suffer for in order that the Gentiles might know this mystery for themselves? He tells us in greater detail in Colossians chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. He says this the mystery that was hidden, is now manifested to his saints. God willed to make known the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He goes on and he unfolds this mystery even further for these Gentiles and for us because he says here in verse 6 to be specific that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel of which I was made a minister according to God's gracious gift, which was given to me, and by the working of His power. You know, today, we don't think a whole lot about heirs. Not like they did back then. The significance of having or even being an heir has somewhat lost its importance in our present day. And it's due to a number of things, but one of the key things, I believe, is this lack of family position and values and honor that were present back then. And it was attached to this whole idea of being an heir. This practice comes right out of the Scriptures. In fact, you'll see in the Torah, in the first five books of the Scriptures, that there was a lot to be said about being in the line of the air. And it's rooted also in God's Ten Commandments. As we read the Fifth Commandment, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Not too many, not too long of a period ago was this dominant opinion that came and had its roots in Scripture that a child's behavior, whether it be good or bad, was a reflection on parents and on the family name family members were not to defame their parents nor their family name to do so the offender was cut off from the inheritance in fact in the book of deuteronomy Chapter 27, verse 16, it says very clearly that they were to be cursed. And even more sobering is the passage found in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 9, where a person who was dishonoring his parents was to be put to death by stoning. When Paul talks about this whole idea of the Gentiles being fellow heirs with the Jews, it had great weight of meaning. And they too were repeated offenders of God's law as sinners. Now, in Christ Jesus, Jew and Gentiles who are both formally at enmity with God deserving to be cut off from God forever are fully justified by the blood of Christ they are saved by God's grace through faith and that not of themselves it is a gift of God They are adopted as God's children and are now joint heirs in Jesus Christ. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 8, verses 16 and 17, when he says this, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Even the Apostle Peter in his first letter writes about this inheritance. He says it's an inheritance that is imperishable, it's undefiled, it's reserved in heaven for you are being kept by the power of God. But not only has the gentiles and us been brought in to this relationship through the saving work of Christ. He also says now the gentiles are fellow members of the body. Jews and gentiles in Jesus Christ are now joint members. Of one spiritual body, a dynamic and living organism. It's called the church, to which Christ Jesus is the head. And what Paul is saying here is that now the Jew and Gentile distinction is no more that there are no second-class people in God's kingdom. Jews and Gentiles, both in Christ, are equally members of the one, spirit-filled, spirit-indwelt, empowered, vibrant body of Christ. The third point he makes here He says that through this free gift of God through faith in Christ Jesus, Jews and Gentiles are now fellow partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. God's promises that were made long ago. You go out through all of history as it relates to the Christ coming, as it relates to the promises of God, as it relates to that eternal kingdom that Daniel referred to. All of those promises now that are in Christ Jesus through the gospel are theirs. There is no exceptions There are no exclusions. There is an equality which had not been known, a unifying of Jews and Gentiles by faith in Christ that now make up the body of Christ, the church of which we are. Paul speaks about this In another letter, in Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 28, it says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. All were baptized into Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. He says, Paul says, For this I was made a minister, according to the gift of God's grace, according to the working of His power. And then he goes on in verses 8 through 10 and he explains further. He says, To me, the very least of all saints this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable. The ESV says the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages... Was hidden in God, who created all things, in order that the manifold wisdom of God might be now made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. The first thing that we see here is that Paul saw himself as being the very least of all the saints. And this was not a false humility, beloved. He was not seeking validation from his listeners. No, Paul was mindful of his sordid past as a persecutor of the church as he talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9, that he was once a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent aggressor against Christ and his church. And he was doing it in the sin of his own unbelief. He was, in his mind, the chief of sinners. Paul saw himself as less than all the least of all the saints. Yet by God's amazing grace, Paul was saved. And he was given this administration. He was given this task to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ but he was also tasked with bringing to light the administration of this mystery, which for ages was hidden in God, who created all things. The word unfathomable or unsearchable in regard to the riches of Christ give it the understanding that it was beyond all capacity to find out to discover to comprehend all the riches that we have in Christ Jesus it was through the gospel preached that this light is being shed that was long concealed it was the mystery of God's master plan of salvation in Christ to all who would believe. This is the manifold wisdom of God that would be revealed and made known through His Church. The gospel preached reveals God's plan, His master plan of redemption through Christ, His salvation for sinners. And it's unfolding. It's expanding. It's growing as the church continues to grow through the ages, even up to today. Throughout history, the past, since the cross, the present and the future, Mankind from every tribe and tongue and people and nation are being brought into the church of God. And Paul reminds us there in verses 11 through 13 that this was God's eternal purpose, to be carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it's through Him that we have boldness and confident access into God's presence through faith in Him. You see, God's design is unfolding before our eyes as we read this passage. We're seeing, even in our own lives today, that God's eternal purpose in Christ is coming to fruition. This is the multifaceted wisdom of God's master plan of salvation. It's through the gospel of Christ. But I want you to notice something. What Paul says at the end of verse 13, it is important for us to realize that this great work is being done in the midst of tribulations of those who are delivering it in the world. It was true of Paul. It is true of everyone who shares the gospel of Jesus Christ in the world. It's inescapable. Jesus forewarned us, even in the gospels, that in this world we will suffer tribulation, but be of good cheer I have overcome the world. And as we preach the gospel, Jesus said, As they hated me, they're going to hate you. But it's all, as Paul had been saying, for your benefit, for you. It is for the sake of your glory. And Paul encourages them to not lose heart, to not be discouraged by the troubles he's facing in prison for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the Gentiles, because it is for their benefit. The writer of the Hebrews gives us encouragement about this very thing. In chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, he says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Paul, by faith in Christ, obeyed his call from Christ. He willingly was putting his life on the line so that the gospel of Jesus Christ might be proclaimed throughout the world. So that Christ's church, that great mystery in Christ, might be realized. Beloved, This is, this is the focal point of all of history. History's climax is when Christ's church, victorious, is complete and full to the praise and glory of God. Our devotion as believers to the proclamation of the gospel of Christ actually enables us to take that hidden mystery and make it known to those who are ignorant, who are spiritually blind, in whose case the God of this world has blinded their minds, we can bring the truth of the gospel to bear. The thing that was hidden, Christ's church, and all that it means for us as believers today can be brilliantly made visible and realized in the world to our witness of the gospel of Christ but notice this other thing one of the things that Paul makes mention here in his passage and that is this there is a great heavenly host watching this unfold as well a great heavenly host watching the church as it grows and flourishes through generation to generation to today. And it's all to be done all for the glory of God. Well, what about you and me? the mystery is revealed, isn't it? We are members of that glorious truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, united under one head. And we have been commissioned by that head to share the good news of Jesus Christ throughout the world so that others might know Him and in knowing Him, know life eternal and so that the church can continue to build and grow through vessels just like us. Are we ready and willing to lay down our plans, our resources, our goals, our dreams, our lives, so that others might hear the good news That Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners like us. Amen.